five, five, four, four, three, three, two, two, three. Well, it certainly felt like I had potted faded for a while. As I said before, I'm not going to run a show on any kind of a schedule. Kind of when I feel like doing it, when I've got something important to say. Unfortunately, the past few weeks I have been down because of diving-related injuries. And still not really certain when or if I can return to diving. I'm pretty positive I'm coming back into diving. I'm not, I'm not overly worried about that. It's just how I re-enter it. So I had a surgery the, the past couple of weeks, and one of them was to realign my deviated septum, and the other was to clear out four of my sinus cavities, and the other part of that was to clear out my eustachian tubes. So... I'm going to kind of walk through the process of what this has looked like and what's really, you know, what's really transpired the past couple, well, not the past couple of weeks, what's been, pers- uh, what's been going on for about the past 16 weeks at this point. Okay. So, I mean, there's a lot, there's been, I've dealt with a lot of pain. I've dealt with a lot of discomfort and we're really hoping that we've got that to a point where, where it's beyond manageable. We're hoping that it's really done and over with and that's that's really what I'm what I'm hoping for out of this outcome so I'm going to walk back to the beginning of dive season and I mean we were set up poised for an amazing dive season the the lakes were a little slow to rise but man when they came up they came up really well we had a lot of clear water I had a lot of students lined up, especially my advanced students. And working with my public safety divers, I was so excited for this year. But what started happening was that on dives, one of two things would happen. I would either get a pain in my upper tooth and then it would just creep into the entire right side of the jaw. And, you know, first thing you think is dental barotrauma. And if you're not familiar with dental barotrauma, essentially what it, you know, the easiest way to describe it is you have an air pocket in your teeth and it could be from a, you know, a cracked tooth. It could be, you know, from a cavity. Air gets in there during the dive. And then when you are beginning to surface that air bubble, you know, boils a lot of the things that we learn about as divers, it begins to expand. And as it expands, it creates a lot of pain. And... So I was trying to do things during a dive, like if I start feeling it, I would go a little bit deeper. <laughs> I try to, I try to recompress it to see, you know, see if I could come up a little bit slower and make that air bubble dissipate. The real mystery began when I would do a dive, not feel any kind of pain, no discomfort, hang out with a crew. If we had new divers getting certified, we do the sea foam. If I had advanced divers, we would do a debrief and do journal entries. And about an hour, two, maybe even three hours later, it felt like somebody punched me in the jaw with a hot knife. I mean, it was excruciating pain. I I was up on dive sites and would have to lay down in the Jeep or lay down on the concrete 
with a hot concrete up against it. Uh, if you think back to when I was doing the cancer dives, that's really the time frame when all this was beginning. I made three different trips to my dentist, and my dentist is a rock star. He knows I'm a diver. He understands this is my life. He works really well with the things that I want to do as far as as far as a diver. And I mean, he's he's done he's done emergency weekend repair so that I could be ready to dive the next week. The guy is just I mean, he's a rock star, right? And we did three different dental exams. We took three separate sets of x-rays. I even went to another dentist. So that's dentist number four. Or I'm sorry, dental checkup number four, dentist number two. Nobody can find anything. So taking a, a page out of Sarah's book when she was having trouble with her ears. And I was guys, I wasn't having any issues with my ears. Now, what I've always had since I became a diver, is that my left ear always clears faster than my right. But it's never been delayed. I mean, I, I can count on my hands, on, on, I can count on one hand, the number of times I've had to call a dive because my ears went clear. So I took a page out of Sarah's book and went to her, her ENT. And that's kind of where my dentist was, was pushing me. He's like, you know, we could go one or two routes. We could go and, you know, you could go get a, a, a root canal or go talk, talk to an ENT. So uh, and, and in the course of that, I, I had done another dive, wound up, actually wound up in the emergency room because the pain was so great. And they did a CT scan. Couldn't find anything going on with the teeth through the CT scan. We'd already been through x-rays. But he's like, you know, you've got a lot of crap in your sinuses. And you've got enough in there that it could be pushing on some nerves. Okay. So he referred me to an ENT. I actually went to Sarah's ENT. So it was, it was a separate ENT. And... Dr. Don Beasley is, is amazing, and he works with a lot of divers. He actually became an ENT because of a sinus or a, a dive, a, a diving-related injury with his sinuses. Let's put it like that. All right, so I go in. His PA checks me out. I talk, talk to the PA and everything. They run, run a camera down my nose, which, by the way, from other episodes, you will know that even when I go to the dentist, they got to put nitrous on me, right? So kind of wigged out a little bit, but that's okay. I, I make it through. I'm a good troop. And he goes back. He's like, I'm going to go get the doc to take a look at this. And so with, a, you know, basically extending my, my visit, you know, because, I mean, all these guys have got like, you know, they've got a set time, like 20 minutes, boom, you're in and you're out. He actually extended it, brought the doctor in. And as they're running the camera through, he's finding chronic sinuitis, and he's finding issues with my eustachian tubes. So your eustachian tubes, the way he described it to me, is that your your eustachian tubes should be about five or six millimeters, and mine were basically butthole tight. They, you know, he he could not even really get a camera into the eustachian tube. It was it was blocked or, or closed off that much, right? So. While all this is going on, I've, I've also started using a CPAP. Again, sinuses, breathing, very important to a diver. And I'm, and I'm finding that the CPAP is making me really relaxed, right? And I mean, I'm getting good sleep at night. I'm not, you know, I don't stop breathing and all that kind of stuff. And that will tie back in here in a little bit. I just need to throw that out there because, you know, really lack of sleep and the path to get a CPAP and then going to the ENT and waiting for appointments and everything else. 
I mean, this is eating up tons of dive time. Now, CPAP didn't really cause that. But at the same time, I'm not resting well. So we wind up uh, with the ENT. He, he finds that I've got chronic sinusitis. And I get sent in for an MRI. MRI confirms, hey, there's no dental stuff going on. But man, your sinuses are, are just impacted. There's just tons of stuff in there. It's not draining out. We have to open it up. Oh, and by the way, you have a deviated septum. Now, I still remember the day I got my nose broke. I was at Spangdahl, Germany. I was on the emergency services team. If you're not familiar with that, that is basically, uh, it, it's, it's equivalent to a SWAT or, or a hostage release team. And during close quarter combat drills, I got my nose broke. So A1C Tisdale, fellow teammate of mine, we were practicing the, uh, the finer mechanics of, uh, of uh, close quarter combat drill. And on one of the drills where they basically, you know, you basically take your partner's wrist, you put it into a crow's neck. As they bend over, you kick them. Now, technically, you're supposed to be kicking them in the face. But because it's training, we kick in the chest. Well, Tisdale missed, kicked me in the, kicked me in the face, and dropped me like a sack of potatoes. Voila, deviated septum, by the way. I need to go get checked out at that with the VA because I found out deviated septum. All right. They need to be aware of that. So I've got the deviated septum. I've got chronic sinusitis, and I've got these eustachian tubes that are closed or almost closed. And even though I've been able to clear my ears and everything, we think that there's a lot of stuff that's going on with them. So we opt for a surgery. One of them is called a, a, a smart uh, surgery. And that's, I'm pulling up my show notes here. Give me just a second. So basically, it's a submucosal resection terminates. So that's a great way of saying we're gonna we're gonna go in, we're gonna lodge a balloon in your nose, and we're gonna move your septum over. Okay. Also, part of this, we're gonna go in and we're gonna open up your sinuses. Now, I don't remember the exact name for that one. I'm not gonna look it up right now. But but essentially, what they do is they go in with a balloon into each sinus cavity. Now, this isn't like your large balloon, you know, that, that you make balloon animals out of. I mean, this is a pretty pretty tiny thing. Oh, and, and we're going to put you on medications to relax you. Now, I forewarn them. Guys, look, I don't do well with med. I, I don't succumb to meds. All right. Any of those, you know, any of you who've done any type of survival resistance training, you know that your brain does not shut off just because somebody has induced something to you. And no matter how hard you try, because of the way that it's been ingrained, it, you just don't give it up. It's it's there, right? That's that's part of you. It's just like, you know, it's just like immediate action drills. You know, immediate action drills. If it's if it's a near ambush, you know, you, you throw frags and you, and you move and you move towards towards the fire, right? That's immediate action drill. And immediate action drill, a psychological immediate action drill, is that under meds you just you've learned to not succumb. Well, that's one of the things. Plus, I hate people being on my face. My dentist has to put me on nitrox or nitrous. He has to put me on nitrous every time I every time I go in. Tooth cleaning, checking them out, my teeth, whatever, because I can't stand people in my face. So we get in there. They gave me, and I'm going to guess, it was lorazepam. I could be completely wrong, but uh, chances are I'm completely wrong. But they gave me a sedative, right? They're supposed to relax me, take take away the anxiety. So I'm supposed to take one of those an hour before I get there. Then I take one right before I go in. And I'm supposed to be chilled out. Guys, I was not chilled out. And they're not going to give me anything else. 
So there's some discussion about whether or not we're going to do the surgery or not. And I'm like, you know, and I drop an F-bomb, you know, blanket, I want, I, I, you know, <laughs> screw it. I, I, I want to get in there. Let's get this done. I'm ready to get back into diving. Because at this point, I've been out of diving for about 12, 12 weeks or so, 12, 13, 14 weeks. And, and maybe not 100% out of diving. I mean, I've still been running pool, you know, shallow pool ops. I, I did a dive. So, by the way, a week before the surgery or the, the Saturday before the surgery, I did a dive with one of my advanced divers just so we could work with his buoyancy control and his finger reel. You know, you, you know, using using the finger reel in searches, but just, you know, getting out and doing some exploration with the finger reel and then reeling it back up while maintaining neutral buoyancy and, and zero vis and all like that. So we, I, I do this dive. Maximum depth is eight feet. And I wind up, I wind up laid out from about four o'clock in the afternoon on Sunday until I have to get up and go to work the next day and I can still feel it. Fortunately, they called that day to say, hey, by the way, we have an opening on Thursday. Can you get in here and do the surgery, which I took it. So, I mean, I, I'm ready to get the surgery done. So we go in, I've had two of these tablets. I'm supposed to be, you know, chillaxing and I'm not chillaxing. I'm, I'm still a little anxious, but I'm like, look, let's just do it. My best friend, Brooks is a, you know, she's a certified medical assistant. She's been a medic. She's been around, you know, uh, plastic surgeries. She's seen people with their full faces open, all kinds of stuff. Right. And the way she described it was one of the one of the worst, you know, surgeries to ever witness, because they've got me laying there. Oh, and by the way, they put a blindfold on. All right, so you kind of see where I'm going with that part of it, but I but I have the blindfold on, and they begin going into my sinus cavity first with a camera and then with the lead thing to clean out the mucus. I've got all this crap coming down to the back of my throat. Oh. Let me back up a little bit because the other part I forgot to tell you about is that they have to numb everything up. So they're using a local anesthetic. And so they're shoving these gauze pads up. I'm leaning back. They're shoving these gauze pads up into my nasal cavity. That is, and it's horrendous. I mean, I'm, and I mean, it's not even like twilight. I'm aware of everything that's going on. I mean, I, I, I could have filled out Excel sheets when this stuff is going on. Right. And, the stuff as it drips down the back of your throat, I mean, it burns. It tastes nasty. It burns. You're like, if you, you need a glass of water, let me know. They never brought me the glass of water. And so we start out with the numbing procedure. It takes about 45 minutes to get numbed up. And then they take me into the, to the actual procedure. I'm not even, you know, at, at best I got into twilight. At the very absolutely best. But I was pretty aware of everything was going on. And, man, they're shoving hoses and tubes and all kinds of crap up my nose cleaning out my sinuses i could feel this crap coming down the back of my throat and he's like you shouldn't be able to feel that and i'm like i can feel that <laughs> and so they stop they numb me up a, a little bit more and then they, they proceed on with, with doing this so with each cavity they go in they clean it out and then they put the balloon in there and when they inflate that balloon it sounds like a bag of chips that you're rattling your hand through or one of those grocery store bags that you are crumpling up inside 
your head. I mean, it's it's like right inside your sinus cavities. And as they inflate that balloon, you can hear all the popping and cracking as that cavity expands. They did it with the sinus cavities that are to each side of my nose, and they did it to the ones that are behind my eyes. And then we get to go do the eustachian tubes. So, so then they do the eustachian tubes, and my right ear is pretty much closed. I mean, and, and Brooks could see it on the camera where, I mean, it was just, and, and he was showing it to her as well. By the way, she, she was a good troop. She, she said that she only almost passed out a couple of times, but she was a really good troop and, and was, was even helpful of them. When I went back for the post-op, they were super complimentary of her. So go through, go through, <laughs> go through that process and you know, they, you know, they, they put the balloon in there and they inflate it. And I mean, you can hear my eustachian, I can hear my eustachian tube just cracking. It's like, it, again, it sounds like a bag of chips inflating. They hold it there and then they deflate it and they pull the thing back out. And again, I mean, I am, I'm consciously aware of all this stuff going on. So finally they, they get me done. They put me in a wheelchair and now by the time or, or at the time that they get me done, that's kind of when I finally blank out. I don't remember a whole lot between getting done. I remember some, some chatter in the room about, hey, good job, or hey, you know, well done, and everything. Uh, and then telling Brooks that she did well. I don't remember getting into a wheelchair. As I'm getting wheeled out, Brooks said that I had asked for a sticker, <laughs> you know, because they give stickers away to kids. I'd actually asked for a sticker. I went over the sticker on, on my, on, uh, you know, on, on the nightstand, I'm like, what's this from? And she's like, no, you asked for it. <laughs> so, and apparently I was already out of the building when I said, Hey, I want a sticker. And they would take me back in and got a sticker. I don't remember any of that stuff. And then I got into the Jeep and then was out as Brooks, you know, drove me back. And I got to tell you, I mean, she was, she was a champ. She was checking on me like every four hours, you know, she'd, you know, she'd, you know, was there for the for the pre-op and then the op and then the post-op she was there for every four hours making sure i got the right meds readjusting pillows because i had to sit at a 45 degree angle changing up bandages because i've been you know my nose was bleeding and things like that and i was wearing this mustache bandage and by the way she's doing all that with her son having to get up the next morning to go get his wisdom teeth pulled oh and by the way my daughter needed to go to the er that night so she's taking care of me every four hours. In between times, she runs my daughter to the ER, gets back in time for my next round of meds, making sure I'm eating, bringing me soup, bringing me jello, making sure I'm drinking tons of water, all kinds of stuff, right? And is just a champ. Gets up the next morning, is giving my meds about 6 a.m., about to walk out the door so she can go pick up her son, and my dog pukes in the floor. She didn't roll her eyes. She didn't sigh. She didn't get frustrated. She was like, I got it. And man, when you are sick and you're feeling like your whole world has just been ripped out of your face and, and still not knowing if I'll ever return it, you know, did I do all this and still not ever be able to return to diving, uh, you know, is, is pretty, is pretty tough. Right. And without hesitation, she just jumped in and got it done. And man, that is what teamwork is about. That's what friendships are about. That's what a tribe is about. 
And it's how I'm hoping that we're taking care of each other in Neptune. So she takes her son to, to the appointment, gets his wisdom teeth pulled, brings him back over to my place. So he's downstairs. She's taking care of him downstairs. I'm upstairs. She's taking care of me upstairs. By the way, she made it back for the 10 o'clock dosage of meds. Um, now, if, if, if you ever look this, these type of procedures up on the Internet, they're going to tell you, you know, usually goes back to work the next day. And there was no way I could have gone back to work the next day. I mean, I still had swelling in my face and, and everything else. Still was groggy from the, from the medications. There's no, absolutely no way I could have gone to work the next day. It really wasn't until, fortunately, we did this over Labor Day weekend. It wasn't until about Sunday, late Sunday afternoon, maybe going into Monday, that I really started feeling like myself again. But I, you know, I've learned that I've been doing a lot of right things to take care of my ears, and I'm learning a lot more about better ways to take care. So I've I've always been a proponent of doing, you know, of doing rinses and things like that. But guys, I mean, I got to tell you, you know, the the balloon surgery. It, the, it was, you know, it was tough. It was really tough. You know, it it says, you know, you know, I asked, you know, hey, is this thing gonna hurt? And they're like, ah, it should be about a scale of two to three. No, I mean, if now if you're out. Or if you're in twilight, yeah, two or three. I was pretty, I was pretty aware of it. I'm not so much sure how how much actual pain there was. I just know it didn't feel real good. And it it, it was. I mean, it was an experience. I mean, if I ever have to do it again, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask for general, you know, general anesthesia to to, to go in. But you know, putting that balloon in putting it in place, making sure, you know, that they dilate it for a few seconds and they deflate it. I mean, that was, dude, that was, that was tough. You know, it, you know, you hear all, hear all that cracking and popping. And like I said, walking out of there, there's no guarantee I'll be back into diving the way I used to be. I'm pretty confident I will. I'm pretty, pretty confident about the, about the return. But, you know, I found out, you know, through, you know, through this process, there's a lot of right things I have been doing with my ears. Using nasal rinses. It's one of the best things that you can be doing as a diver. In fact, if you want to take care of your sinuses, the doctor told me that had I not been taking care of my sinuses, my my dive career definitely would have been over. The only thing the only thing that was really hurting was that it was not everything was draining out the way it needed to drain. So I was keeping it cleaned out. But what was happening was it had been there so long, and, and you know they tried taking it out with. With antibiotics, I went through two, or actually three or four rounds of antibiotics, and you know to try to to try to knock it out. And finally, they had to go in and get it. But doing your nasal rinses and then doing your your post dive ear care, making sure that you're not over inflating your eustachian tubes or, or forcing it as you dive. I have never been able to clear my ears by wiggling my jaw. After this surgery, I can. So my sinuses are going to be good. My eustachian tubes are going to be good. I just, what I don't know is what's going to happen with that nerve. Right now, I'm, I'm feeling really confident. I really feel like I'm going to be returning to diving soon. I just got about another five days till I get a doctor's clearance. And then next Sunday, so that'll be two Sundays after Labor Day, I'm going to test for the first time and I'm going to dive in the YMCA and hope to God my tooth doesn't start hurting. But I've already decided if it does, I'm going to go get a voluntary root canal. It's like just, it's a phantom nerve. Let's just take it out. Let's, you know, let's, let's just do it. But that's what I've learned through this process is that I've, I've really learned how much I do identify as a diver, how much, how much that I wear on my sleeve. 
I mean, and sometimes literally, or sometimes literally, not just figuratively, you know, with the shirts and, and tats and everything else. But I learned how much I really love diving. I learned how much I really miss diving. And, and I understand that pain of having to go to a dive site and watch other people dive. And that, and that may be in my future. I may have to figure that out. You know, how do, how do I continue to run Neptune and be supportive as the guy who can't dive? I honestly don't think that that's in the cards this time. I really feel strongly that, that, that I will be back and I'll be diving. But it has also helped me understand that I need to look at other things in life as, you know, what, what, you know, what, what's going to define me later on. Because there will become, I mean, there may be a, a day that I, that I don't dive. I hope not. I hope that when I pass from this earth, it will be like, I don't know, two or three days after a really great dive in, you know, Caracas or Rotan or Hawaii or something, right? I mean, it's just, I mean, I, my goal is to be the oldest living diver. Right now, the record sets at 95. I would like to be the guy to break that record. But it, it does make you think about, okay, so what, what is next in life? And, uh, you know, I don't have any regrets about identifying as a diver. Because if I don't identify as a diver, I'm going to have to identify as something else. So right now, a diver t- tends to work. So anyway, that's where I've been the past couple of weeks since I, I kind of pod faded. But it, it's it. Uh, one of the things I should mention is that I haven't stayed idle. I've gone out. I've gained some new certifications around uh, being a trauma specialist, mindfulness, uh, cognitive behavior ther- uh, therapy uh, coach. And I'm also working on my certified personal trainer through NASM. National Academy of Sports Medicine because I'm going to tie sports medicine into Neptune. That's going to be on another episode. So it hasn't. I haven't remained idle. I'm not sitting back and just and just sulking. I'm going out and, and watching other people dives or do dives. I'm going out to dive sites. I'm going out to our uh, you know, to a lot of our Sunday uh, gatherings and, and just hanging with those guys as they dive. So I, I haven't been idle, but uh, I haven't been diving as much or at least the way I would like to. So I'm really hoping for an amazing winter season as we get ready to start gearing up to do places like Windover and Hoodsport and other places. And then, I'm, guys, I'm ready to rock for, for next year. I've got some exciting things that I want to get going for Neptune. I've got some fresh volunteers coming in. I've got some people fired up. They're going to do some outstanding things for vets. One of the things I've had to learn through this process, <sighs> Patience. Patience, understanding, and then just allowing people who love you to help. Because when it's all said and done, I learn that as long as I've got air, I'm all right. 